Vertical voices. We got a theme song now. I'm glad you took that over. <laughs> Welcome to Vertical Voices. Uh, I'm Colby. I'm Sophia. And uh, we are back for another thrilling episode. Hope everyone listening survived the Jonah Hex commentary. Um, <laughs> we barely did. Yeah, but it's okay. We, you know, we. we Led you, uh, like, like Virgil, we led you into hell, and now we're pulling you back into, I don't know, purgatory? <laughs> <laughs> we're taking a step up today. We well, wouldn't call it heaven, but it's not, it's not hell. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about Two-Gun Mojo, the first of the Vertigo Jonah Hex comic series. Um, first, a little bit of news. Neil Gaiman last week announced... So actually, there's been a couple of updates. I think about three weeks ago, he posted the first or a, a screenshot of the first page of the Sandman Netflix series script. Specifically, the word "Fawny Rig" was easy to see on there, so that was cool. Uh, and at the time, he said that production was set to begin in, I think he said three weeks. Uh, and then last week, he somebody asked him about it on Twitter, and he said that fingers crossed, shooting starts in 12 days. So. By the time this podcast is aired, we might have more information. Who knows? But basically, we're looking at possibly next week for filming. There's been a possible casting for Dream, an actor named Tom Sturridge, hmm. who I've never heard of before. I looked up some pictures of him, and I don't know. He's skinny and British, so <laughs> I, that's fine with me. Whatever. <laughs> First two prerequisites down. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which also reminded me, when we did the FanCast episode a few weeks ago... There were two cast decisions or whatever for me that I totally forgot. Uh, one of them was Eve. Oh, know? yeah. And my choice for Eve was Florence Kasumba. Florence Kasumba. Yeah, she plays Ayo, one of the Dora Milaje in uh, Black Panther oh. and Avengers Infinity War. And she's in, she, her like star making turn was in uh, Civil War. She plays T'Challa's. Uh, bodyguard at the time i mean she's obviously dora milaje but they didn't call her that in that movie and she walks up to black widow and says move or you will be moved <laughs> i remember her yes yeah well, that's a good choice yeah, I, I would go with that and then the other one was mr miracle and this isn't actually my casting this is there's another podcast i listen to called the weekly planet and there's an actor that they talk about on that show a lot who's australian that they the guys that that host that show are friends with named charlie clausen and after looking up him and stuff that he's been in. I'm like, yeah, he'd be a perfect Mr. Miracle. That name is really familiar. Where have I might have seen him? Before? I, know, I think he was on the Spartacus TV series. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And um, other stuff. Um, I've never seen Spartacus, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I saw the the first couple seasons. Mm -hmm. I I know I know what you're talking about. I just can't see his face. So anyway, I, who knows if Eve's going to be in the show? I seriously doubt that Mr. Miracle is going to be. I would guess that they would completely cut out the Justice League subplot of that first volume or change it to a different team or so. I don't know. Who knows? But I can't imagine that we're going to see the Justice League in this show. Uh, I think that would probably be something that they'd work up to, don't you think? No, not at all. <laughs> I, I think they're going to keep them completely separate. Um, Netflix doesn't own the rights to any of the Justice League characters. You know, you're not going to see Superman on Netflix. All the DC stuff is on the... HBO Max streaming app, so 
Sandman, since Sandman is largely creator-owned, like Neil Gaiman owns the rights to, well, I don't know if he owns the complete rights to the character, but he owns a stake in these characters. So th the Sandman universe can be sold independently to, uh, to the regular DC. I, I am going to wager right now that we're not even going to see John Constantine in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you put it that way. It would be nice, but I don't think he's going to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> Might be wishful thinking. Yeah. But yeah, and then, so speaking of Sandman, I also recently picked up the audio drama from uh, Audible, and it is fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about a third of the way through it right now. Like, I'm, I'm just finishing the first volume, because it's the first three volumes of the comic. So I'm just finishing Preludes and Nocturnes right now. But I got the physical edition, because I fucking hate downloading stuff. So I got the actual audiobook on a on a CD, and it actually comes in like a little Blu-ray box. It's very attractive. Which I like because I like shelving shit, and it's really hard to shelve like CDs and those big thick uh, book on tape CDs. You know, yes. like with with the way I have my movies shelved, this fits way better. But then it also comes with this really cool little notebook that breaks down each issue of the oh. cast, and then it shows the comic book cover for it. That is cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And then it also comes with a couple of stickers of the main characters. Oh, you lucky doggy. Yeah. yeah, it's been really cool. And it's, I mean, it's pretty fucking cheap on Amazon. This was like $25 for really? 11 hours of content. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. That seems fair. It's well worth owning to me. And it's only one disc. Wow. 11 hours on one disc. <laughs> and it does, like, the cover is, is lovely. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, so, so it's been uh, really good to listen to. One of the things that I really like about it, and I think this is the first time in expanded media I've ever noticed this, uh, they pronounce John Constantine's name as Constantine. Do they? Like, in every instance. <laughs> and there's one point where Mad Hetty calls him Constantine to piss him off. But other than that, it's always Tyne. And it's really funny, because uh, Taron Edgerton plays him, the guy from, oh, he played... Oh, that's his name. Uh, yeah, he played Elton John in Rocket Man, and he's from the Kingsman movies. So he plays John Constantine in it, and uh, it's fun to hear John with like a proper th thick Scouser accent. Because <laughs> like in everything else, like on Legends of Tomorrow, like I really like Matt Ryan as John Constantine, but he just has like a generic British accent, mm -hmm. and that, that's fine. I don't have any issues with that, but it's fun to hear a real deep British Constantine accent. That's not the right, it's not Brit, whatever, fuck it. <laughs> We're following you. Yeah, but it's got a really fucking excellent cast as well. I wrote down McAvoy, more like Awesome. <laughs> I don't know if that's anything, I don't know, I don't know if that's funny or not, but... <laughs> I'll laugh at it. <laughs> Michael Sheen is a really good Lucifer too. I mean, obviously, in this volume, or where I'm at so far, he's only in like one scene, uh, that the whole trip to hell, but he's got a really... Bowie-esque poshness about his voice in the story. And I think it works fucking awesome. So, yeah, it's been really good. Uh, what else do I have to say about that? Who does Andy Circus play? He plays Matthew. Oh, okay. And actually, I haven't even heard him yet since I'm still in the first volume. Oh, and then I think my favorite voice actor, though, is William Hope, who plays Dr. Destiny. Oh. And most people will hear, hear the name William Hope and not know who that is, but I can guarantee everyone has seen him in one movie. He is in Aliens. Oh, who does he play He's in Gorman. 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 The, the dude that's never been on a drop before. Oh. <laughs> you know, that like Weasley dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
that's him. Yeah. And he's a voice actor. Yeah. He's done a lot of voice acting over the years, but he's really good as Dr. Destiny. He has this, like, weird haunted growl to his voice. He almost sounds like Michael Hogan a little bit. A guy from uh, Battlestar Galactica, do the eye patch. Uh, but yeah, he's he's probably my favorite voice actor so far. And then one of the things, one of the funny things about it too, I was looking through the cast list, and in one of the episodes, the one with John Constantine, they credit a character as or an actor as the Creeper. I was like, oh, the Creepers in it, like because he's a DC character. I was like, the, I, I he was on the Justice League in the '80s, so maybe they replaced. John Jones or or uh, Scott Free with the Creeper. So I'm listening to the episode and waiting, and then there's a scene where you know that that dude that breaks into John's ex girlfriend's house. Yeah, yeah. That 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 guy is just a creeper because <laughs> he's creeping into her house. Okay. I was like, oh, it's not the creeper. It's the creeper, but not the creeper. <laughs> Got excited there for a moment. <laughs> but then the biggest, my biggest takeaway with this is I finally heard a pronunciation. Of uh, the demon that steals dreams. Helm. What's his name? It's Corinzon. Corinzon. Not chorizo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No chorizo in this bitch. Corinzon. Corinzon, gotcha. Oh, who voices him? Uh, Patterson Joseph. Okay. Who plays the Marquis de Carabas in the live-action version of Neverwhere. Mm-hmm. And he also voices the character in the audio drama sequel called How the Marquis Got His Coat Back. Oh, I haven't heard that one. It's really good. It stars him and, and James McAvoy. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> he plays Richard. But yeah, it's funny because Neverwhere had an all-cast audio drama as well, but in that, um, the Marquis was played by, oh, what's his name? The dude that plays John Jones on Supergirl. David Harewood, that's who plays him. <laughs> so he plays the Marquis in the audio drama of Neverwhere, and James McAvoy plays Richard, the main character. But when they did the sequel, they got Patterson Joseph, who plays him in the TV series. But all the other actors who come back are from the audio drama. And they actually make a joke about it, where Richard asks the Marquis why he sounds different or something. And he says, like, oh, I just, I just figured I'd try out a voice I used 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> why not it obviously works <laughs> yeah I thought it was a good one so anyway that's all my Sandman news and I don't know discussion for the week uh, we will have to do a full episode on the audio drama one of these days because it's really fucking good that would be great I actually I went to the comic shop and was talking to one of my friends who works there about it I was like man I've been listening to the Sandman audio drama and he goes oh how is it I've heard it's not very good and I was like fucking what <laughs> <laughs> And he goes, yeah, I, I, I heard somebody who, or one of my friends listened to it, and he said that, like, the music is too overblown and that, like, it's just not that great. And I was like, what the, f-? like, no, <laughs> not at all. Like, yeah, it's got music, if that's what you mean, but it's not like, like, you can't hear the dialogue over the music. It's really well done. And I, I've listened to a lot of audio dramas. Like, I've listened to a shitload of Big Finish and graphic audio, all sorts. And I could probably say that this one is my favorite I've ever heard. It's really, 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 really well done. <laughs> High praise. Yeah, Dirk Mags. Dirk Mags is a really good audio director, writer, whatever. He did a, a few Batman and Superman series in the 90s. Like, he did one called... Well, it depends where you're at. It's either called Superman Lives or Superman Doomsday and Beyond, depending if you live in the U.S. or the U.K. And it was a full cast audio drama uh, of The Death and Return of Superman 
How fun. Yeah, it was really good. And then he also did a couple Batman ones around, I think it was in the early 90s. I think one adapted Nightfall, maybe? <laughs> and then the other one was maybe an original story. I can't remember. But the cool thing about those is they got Michael Goff, who plays Alfred in the Keaton movies. Yeah. They got him back to play Alfred. Oh, cool. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, those audio dramas are canon with that movie series. <laughs> <laughs> a good addition. Because Alfred's one of the only two actors who's the same in all of those. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> He's the one with some staying power. <laughs> Him and uh, Pat Hingle as Com- Commissioner Gordon. Mm-hmm. Although he does not play the character in the audio dramas. Alas. Anyway, okay, done with audio dramas. Put too much time on this. <laughs> well, if there's any good news to come out of 2020, it's... A lot of Sandman news on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I you know, spent this entire fucking year dreaming of good news. So now our good news comes in the form of dream. There you go. <laughs> there you ask and ye shall receive. Definitely. Okay, on to the main chorus of the episode, Two Gun Mojo. So this is the first of a trilogy of Jonah Hex stories by Vertigo. The series as a whole is called Shadows West, which is annoying to me because that's also the name of the third volume. I fucking hate it when they do that. (laughs) (laughs) So you Google it and it's like, oh, you mean this? And you're like, no, no, no. Like the Dark Knight trilogy of movies. Mm. Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and then The Dark Knight Rises. I don't like that they change the naming conventions halfway into it. And so then it retroactively gets its whole animal. Whatever, it's done. (laughs) (laughs) But this is, so Two Gun Mojo, it's uh, written by Joe Lansdale, who's very well known in the world of Weird West, uh, with art by Timothy Truman and Sam Glansman. So, what is your book report? Alrighty then. We have our protagonist, of course, Jonah Hex, and the great thing about Two Gun Mojo is that it starts out with a hanging, which happens to be Jonah's, and he is saved at the last minute by another bounty hunter, uh, Slogo Smith. Smith. <laughs> fucking love that name, Slogo Smith. It, it is um, a great name. <laughs> also, speaking of names, Two Gun Mojo. It's a fucking great title. <laughs> it is. I'm not even sure exactly what it means, but it's, it is a great title. It's because Jonah Hex, man, he's got his two guns and he's got, got that mojo. He's got... <laughs> Yes, lots and lots of mojo. It's funny because on the cover he doesn't—he's not actually holding two guns. He's not. No a pistol and a saber. <laughs> As we get into the novel, it uh, the novel. Well, yeah, it's a novel. A graphic, a graphic novel. novel. What have you? Yeah, the thing. As we get into the graphic novel, and he and Slogo Smith meet up, and they go to this backwards, this odd town where uh, the Chamber of Commerce. Pushes photographs with dead people. Oh, yeah, I fucking love that. <laughs> Specifically with dead outlaws. <laughs> Which, that was a real thing back in the Wild West. You can pose with the dead yeah, outlaw? Yeah. Oh, wow. Goodness. Yeah. Talks about a nickel. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and things just get weirder from there. It's, uh, it is a weird West. It's got some zombies in it. Uh, very famous gunman that if you know even in an iota of history that you'll be familiar with and it's kind of hard to describe because it's not like necessarily it's a revenge tale there's a little bit of revenge in there when um slogo smith is killed and jonah wants to figure out who did it Mm -hmm. which is um william dot help me out here uh doc cross williams thank you (laughs) Doc cross williams our villain our villain and it's it's violent, it's uh, raply unwholesome, and it's just macabre, and it's a 
fantastic book. So, one of my favorite things about this, I think this might have been the first Jonah Hex story I ever read back in the day. But one of, one of my favorite things about this, like I said when we were talking about the commentary, or when we were talking in the commentary, about how in that, the weirdness is all centered around Jonah. You know, he has the power to raise the dead, and he can fucking stop the magic balls from destroying the world or whatever. <laughs> but in this, he's just a passenger. He's just, like, he's uh, he's a gruff bounty hunter, like a, like a Wild West archetype who's thrown into this weird world of zombies and uh, ghosts and, you know, like, like just, just craziness. And I, I like that. I like how he's the constant, the, the everyman quote. I mean, he's not an everyman, but uh, he's, he's, he's as normal as you can get in this world. And he's thrown into just the craziest situation ever. Exactly. And like you said before in the movie commentary, he's a guy who gets by with his own wile mm. and his willingness to commit violence and also sometimes just by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> but it makes it more interesting and fun to watch. One thing I, I thought was interesting, because this is the first time I've read Two Gun Mojo, in the introduction, Joe Lansdale uh, was saying that how when he was first introduced to Jonah Hex, he remembered it as having yeah, supernatural super, Yeah, elements. yeah, exactly. And then when he looked back, there wasn't any. <laughs> exactly. So he's like, well, I'm going to write it like I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Because real, I mean, realistically, there were some supernatural elements scattered throughout the series. We'll get into that later. I, w- I want to talk about the death of Jonah Hex later. But, yeah, it wasn't nearly as prominent as the Vertigo series. And again, Joe Lansdale's known for Weird West, so it makes sense. And I think he's a great fit for the character. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the character, did you like the way they address his backstory? Yes. Trick question, they don't ever address his backstory. <laughs> exactly, though. that's the point. <laughs> for those of you who are listening, just let me interrupt real quick. For those of you who are listening, if you go back and you listen to our commentary about the movie... Mm-hmm. There's this really kind of embarrassing, cringeworthy effort to make Jonah Hex seem like a really nice guy because he fought for the Confederacy, and the filmmakers felt the need to make it clear that you didn't believe in slavery, you know? <laughs> and the book here doesn't talk about that at all. Yeah. Well, and they, they don't even address his scar or his, you know, mm-hmm. like death or the death of his family or whatever it is. Um, they, don't, they don't go into, into, into any of that because you don't need it. No. He's just a scarred bounty hunter out there trying to make a living. But I, I really like that, and I, I like it so much better than the way he's handled in the movie. Your hair. If you are listening, you probably will hear more comparisons to the movie, just because we watched that yeah. the other weekend. And it's an easy comparison. There's some, there's some very similar and or directly adapted scenes from this, this into the movie. But like the scene with the head, you know, it's very similar to the beginning of the movie. But yeah, like Jonah turns into Bounty just by hacking a guy's head off. <laughs> <laughs> And I really like, and so in the first issue, I really like the death of Slogo Smith. How he, he dies because he snores. Right. <laughs> he snores so loud that Jonah can hear. Like, they have to share a room. <laughs> and so he's just, like, sleeping right next to Jonah in bed, snoring in his, in his ear. And there's a scene of Slogo sleeping. And there's, like, a close-up of Jonah just staring angrily up at the <laughs> ceiling. And then the next shot is Slogo getting kicked out of the, uh, out of the room. <laughs> so then he goes to sleep in the livery, and uh, the zombie of what Wild Bill Hickok kills No, yeah. it's just some other zombie. Never mind. Um, Hickok comes in later. But Hickok is here. Oh, no, no, you're right. Sorry, sorry. That's the second issue. 
Second issue opens with Hickok uh, coming in to kill Slogo. One of the things I love about that is how Slogo is notoriously poor sighted. <laughs> and so after he thinks he misses a bunch, and then he just throws his gun <laughs> and it hits Doc Cross in the head. <laughs> I fucking love that scene. <laughs> Well, it's and it's funny too because earlier in when they arrive to town and they go into the bar, uh, the bartender tries to sneakily draw his gun mm -hmm. on Jonah, and he does the same thing. He just rolls his yeah, yeah, yeah. and gets him right in the head. The seal slow go one two. <laughs> but um, and that's that opens up to uh, what do you think of the humor of this book? Well, I love it. It's that really dark. Uh, mean-spirited humor. Like, I was talking about how the script of the movie had that, and it was just stripped away in the actual movie. But yeah, like, every everyone that Jonah runs into is either an enemy or a doomed ally. <laughs> Which, that's the way it is, like, over the dozens of years that he's had a comic book. Pretty much everyone he meets up with dies eventually, including himself. I mean, again, he's a character that has a definite death which we'll talk about. <laughs> I guess other than Tallulah Black, I don't think she ever actually dies. I can't remember, but I want to say no. Oh, and the shit about the, the fried chicken and the hanging. Oh, God. My stupid phone. Sorry. That's twice now. That's twice now. That's twice now. <laughs> I turn the damn thing off. Um, yeah, <laughs> the fried chicken at the hanging. Yes. Yeah. Excuse us. Going back to that. And there's that, there's that scene, I think it's in the third issue, or second, I don't know, whatever. That old woman... But there she's, she is. She's holding a revolver and a leg of fried chicken in her hand. She says, I, for one, come here for a hanging and a picnic. I say we do them both. <laughs> come on, people. Chicken's getting cold. <laughs> Let's have us a hanging. <laughs> she's like leading the charge to go get Jonah. He is. Oh, it's, great. it's crazy. It's wackiness. And there's a um, great, well, there's several great lines in there, but when Slogo Smith and Jonah end up having to share a bed because they go to the hotel and there's just one room and one bed. And Jonah asks him, you got any bugs on you? And he's like, I took a dip in kerosene just last week. You know? <laughs> and then when Jonah's lying there in bed and he can't sleep and he's thinking to himself and he's like, I could count sheep, shoot him. <laughs> it's just stuff like that throughout the whole book that, that uh, uh, if you're a fan of that kind of humor, it's, a lot of gold nuggets in there. What's the name of that town? Nacogdoches? Is that how you pronounce that? Nacogdoches. <laughs> That's how I've heard it anyway. There could be some Texans out there that is like, no, it's not, but I always say Nacogdoches. And I like how Doc Cross isn't in it much until like the second half. And it shows kind of like the flashback. Is that a flashback? No, never mind. It just shows him showing off his... Uh, little crazy little circus of zombies. I wanted to ask you about that. Who does the lettering? The lettering? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was intriguing and fun. Todd Klein. Todd Klein. When you see Doc Williams doing his thing in front of a crowd, his lettering is exactly like uh, what you would see on a poster for a medicine show mm -hmm. yeah, in the yeah. 19th century. Yeah, exactly. And his sweet brown elixir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sweet brown elixir that pickles people and turns them into zombies. Uh, and then he tries to zombify Jonah. I like it when you see him making the elixir, pissing into the cup. Oh. <laughs> so he, let me see. It's, uh, da, da, shows him 
cutting off a dude's nose, then in the ear, then mixing it in with what looks to be some alcohol, because he's pissing, or I mean, he's drinking it. <laughs> and then uh, he adds some, like, poison or something. Then he says a little incantation. I entreat all you dark elders and such. <laughs> Come on down, you mean some bitches. Give me some of your piss and vinegar. I stick your power in my elixir. And then he pisses in it. <laughs> and then he spits in it, and then he lights it on fire, and it explodes. <laughs> something like too much spit? <laughs> now, maybe I ought to slack on the spit. <laughs> and then he, like, force-feeds it to Jonah and keeps him in a little barrel to pickle. <laughs> Jonah gags himself to spit it up so he doesn't turn into one. But Anyway, that's cool. And then... uh that whole shootout. One of the things I really like too during is that still your phone? I'm sorry, yes, my apologies. <laughs> Jesus Lord. Alright, continue, please. One of the things I really like at the end shootout with like the, the cavalry and the zombies is there's that scene uh when when they get attacked by the Indians and there's that scene of oh zombie Wild Bill Hickok like leading the charge and he's just out front gunning everyone down and then he Runs out of ammo, but he's a zombie, so he doesn't know how to reload, so he's just clicking away. <laughs> and he's just like, click, 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 click. <laughs> and he yells at him. Yeah. He's like, you're out, dummy. <laughs> right there. Click, 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 click. Put loads in them, you dumb son of a bitch. They're empty, chowderhead. <laughs> he's like, oh, and he stops. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I mean, like a zombie gun when, gunman would be useful to an extent. <laughs> but his brain is fried. Mm. I've actually been to uh, Wild Bill Hickok's grave. Really? In Deadwood. When, when did you do that? Oh, when I was a kid. I traveled a lot when I was a kid. And my family went to Deadwood at one point and saw all the sights there. Well before there was a television show. Oh, there you go. But I probably would find it way more interesting now than I did then <laughs> because of the show. <laughs> probably. But hey, you were there before. It was cool. That's true. <laughs> um, oh, uh, Jonah Hex's horse. His name, Old Lardbrain. Oh, poor Old Lardbrain. <laughs> I love that. And I love how even the horses are disposable. Like, you know, every everything dies. So many horses die in this book. If you're an animal lover, you might be a little bit sensitive to that. <laughs> I talked last week about the scar gags. You know how every time somebody sees a scar and they comment on it. Yes. So I made a list of all the scar gags. First one is toothpick slipped. <laughs> Then cut myself shaven. That one was in the movie. Mm-hmm. Then bit my cheek eaten. And then <laughs> damn chigger bite. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said during the commentary, it's so much funnier in the book because in the movie, like he, he gets one question about his face. Yeah. And then shoots the guy. Yeah, shoots the guy. <laughs> and then later on in the movie, he's like something like, "I'm tired of people asking." It's well, like, he says, "I'm all out of smart ass answers." Yeah. Like you did one fucking idiot. Like seriously. <laughs> And your delivery was horrible because yeah. you shot the guy first. <laughs> That's not a running gag if it happens once. Exactly. exactly. But the implication of I'm all our smart ass answers is that he's been saying this over and over and over, but he hasn't. Uh, we talked about Doc Cross Williams, Sweet Brown Elixir. So yeah, did, he had an extra scene in the movie that got cut that was just essentially setting him up for a sequel where he escapes the the uh, burning circus, and he's in a stagecoach with Tallulah talking about his sweet brown elixir, blah, blah, blah. Oh. And 
and it's nothing. It's like 20 seconds long. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and there will be no sequels. Yeah. And I, I, it's hilarious to me that they had such high hopes that, oh no, we're definitely going to get a sequel. We'll set this character up. Well, that's not really how you set a character up, but whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm not the one making a movie. Um, oh, there's another line I really liked in the book. Jonah says, hand up my ass only appeal to me in a kind of marginal manner. <laughs> so it's official. Jonah Hex is at least ass play curious. <laughs> he will not say no. Yeah. Appeals to him in at least a marginal manner. <laughs> and it's, it, it is a book that I was, uh, you know, you're kind of repulsed by the violence and, and it's kind of, it, well, it's, it's this gross too. Like you said, the way that the doc makes his, you know, magic potion and lines like, uh, you know, the uh, innkeeper telling them both, oh, you guys are lucky and only a couple of cowboys have slept in them sheets in the last few days, you know, <laughs> yeah. implying that they don't change the sheets. When Timothy Truman's art lends itself really nicely to that weird, gross world, he's got a very, I don't know, visceral look with everything. Like, even Hex's scar is, like, it looks like... Looks like a big vein running down his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost like he's some sort of Lovecraftian creature. <laughs> it looks like it hurts. Yeah. Or it did hurt when it happened. Notice the cover. The cover of the graphic novel seems to imply that there's vampires in it. They got a little pokey tooth there. It does, that yeah. looks like a fang. I can't tell what that is. Anyway, it's got like a couple of characters that look like vampires on it. Well, Doc Williams does look otherworldly. You know, he's got bad teeth and those long fingernails and he he does uh he his looks live up to the reputation that he gives himself throughout the book as this you know mighty powerful wizard yeah yeah and he's he's always wearing that like classic wizard garb (laughs) like a star and moon robe (laughs) (laughs) he's got quite the outfit yeah going back to the art like like the art really is fitting like when you first gave me this book and i was just thumbing through it. I was like, well, I don't know how I feel about the art. I just, you know, didn't like it. I didn't hate it. I was just like, meh. But when I sat down and finally read it, I was like, oh, this is perfect. And the way that Joe Lansdale describes Truman's art, he calls it ornery. Yes, ornery. definitely. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a good description. It is. It is. It's very well done. It's the reason Joe Lansdale is a writer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, I have to mention another one of my favorite lines. Uh, when they go into the bar uh, t- after they come to town to collect the bounty on the three guys that try to hang Jonah in the beginning of the book, bartender's like, what do you have? And Jonah's like, a whiskey and wipe down the bar. We wipe the bar down on Mondays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay then. Reminds me of, uh, have you seen the movie Desperado? Oh, it's been years. When there's a scene at the beginning where Quentin Tarantino walks into a bar that Cheech Marin is the bartender of. And he walks in and he asks for a, he goes, dos cervezas, por favor. <laughs> and so Cheech Marin par- pours him a beer and hands it to him. And he picks it up and looks at it. And he goes, can I get it in a clean glass? And Cheech goes, man, that's the cleanest glass I got. <laughs> very, very fitting. <laughs> I haven't watched that movie in a long time. It sounds like it might need a revisit. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while either. But yeah, it's a good one. Did you know there's a motion comic adaptation of this? Thank you. That's what I was forgetting. Yes. Uh, Jim Cummings. Yeah, he plays Jonah Hex. Famed voice actor Jim Cummings. (laughs) 
you know, I, I don't mean to take away from the motion comic because for those of you out there who haven't seen the motion comic, it's on YouTube. Go watch it. Is it? It is. Yeah. Oh. That's where I saw it. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I, Jim Cummings is a fantastically talented voice actor and I don't mean to take anything away from the experience, but I listened to him and he has a great Jonah Hex. He does a good job, but I listened to him and I'm like, Oh, Pooh Bear. We've yeah, come so true. far. <laughs> But I think he does a good job. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. It's not available. Excuse me. It's not available on disc. Like, it was never released on DVD or anything. But DC made a lot of motion comics over the years, and they've always released them on DVD. Wait, I take that back. DC's made a couple motion comics over the years, and they always release them on DVD. Marvel makes a shitload, and they're always released. But uh, it was just odd to me that this one never got, like, a proper DVD release. It was an iTunes exclusive for a while. Now you can buy it on Amazon to stream, or apparently you can watch it on YouTube. That's strange that they wouldn't make a DVD of yeah. it. I just want it from a goddamn shelf. <laughs> so this came out ten years ago, oh, and wow. I've been just like waiting for a proper release. Or if nothing else, buy. I'd like to buy like a bootleg of it at a convention or something. But as yet, I have not seen it anywhere. So maybe I'll have to break down and watch it on online. I just don't like streaming stuff like this. Mm. If it's something that I want to own, I don't want to stream it first, which is why I've been putting it off for 10 years. <laughs> even though Now, at this point, it's never going to be released, but still, every once in a while, I'll check the Warner Archive website just in case, <laughs> see if it was released. <laughs> Do you think we could blame the movie for that, too? Like, after the failure of the movie, they're like, it costs too much money to put yeah, down a hex on it. very well could be, but it was already finished. Like, just fucking release it. <laughs> just do it. Disc printing isn't that expensive. What, it costs like a dollar to make a DVD, CD, something, whatever. <laughs> anyway, regardless, that's a cool, cool uh, adaptation of it. One last thing. So I mentioned that this was the first of a trilogy. There's two other volumes. The second one is called The Writers of Worm and Such. <laughs> Writers of Worm and Such? Yeah. And my favorite thing about this, I haven't actually read the second volume. I've read Shadows West, but... Oddly enough, I haven't read Writers of Worm. So when the sequel was released... God damn it, I'm trying to find the poster of it. When the sequel was released, Vertigo did, did an ad for it. It was like a picture of Jonah, and it said, Jonah Hex is back, and this time he's got worms. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, there it is. Oh, <laughs> It's like a wanted poster with these weird creatures' hands reaching up for it. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I like the coloring. Yeah. I uh, I don't have the poster. I've seen that ad in the comics before, but I've really wanted to get that poster for my wall. Got a few of the random Vertigo posters, but... Oh, that would be a fine one. Yeah. Good addition. So now, let's talk about the death of Jonah Hex. Okay. So back in the 70s, I don't... Oh, and exactly. But so the, Jonah Hex has been in a character for quite a while. He's been in a lot of like backup stories and issues in, I think it was All-Star Western. But for a long time, he didn't have his own book. He was just kind of a backup character from 1977 to 1985. I don't want to say backup character because it was technically his book, but it wasn't called Jonah Hex. It was All-Star Western. And the series ended with his death, like a definitive death for the character. He was a bounty hunter until, I think, uh, his 60s. Let me see what it says. Okay, so he's 66. In the year 1904, 
he had retired, married a Native American woman named Tallbird, and uh, he was somewhat, you know, like taking taking his old age easily, doing a, or taking it easy in his old age. And this dude named L.B. Farnham, which is basically P.T. Barnum, <laughs> um, wanted to hire him for an Old West Review show. And Hex refused and said, I'm not going to do that. And his last, his last bounty was to hunt this dude named George Barrow. And Hex killed them all except for Barrow, who then came back while Hex was playing cards in a saloon and killed him. And uh, it was you know, kind of a wild Bill Hickok death, I guess. And so his death was like a big deal. And his body was then stuffed. <laughs> like that, the dude, L.B. Farnham, stole his body from his wife. His Hex's wife was going to give him a proper Native American burial. And his body was taken, stuffed, and used as in the Wild West Review show. And so he's like the stuffed dude with two pistols. But they used Hex's actual pistols, which were hair triggers. And so they accidentally discharged and I believe killed killed the dude that killed him or killed Farnham. I don't know, something like that. And then eventually throughout the years, uh, his wife got his body back and then she was going to be robbed. Like somebody was trying to steal it. I can't like, oh, uh, uh, a Wild West memorabilia collector was trying to steal the body from her. And it's implied that Hex's spirit inhabited the body one last time and killed the guy. And, uh, and then it, it, his stuffed body was in on display. Like his stuffed body shows up in the comic Kingdom Come. You know, it's set like sixty years in DC's future. It's on display in the Planet Krypton restaurant. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like that, he got a definitive death. Um, his body was stuffed, and like it shows up, and his spirit had shown up a few times throughout the series. Like there's an issue of, I want to say Superboy, where his spirit inhabits this model who loses her eye. She becomes like a. Modern day Jonah Hex. All right, then. He has an ancestor named Genie Hex who looks like him in the, the Young Justice comic. Oh, and then there was the whole Flash Forward comic. There's a comic series where he gets stuck in the future, but he ends up coming back to his normal time. So that's not really after that. But anyway, all that to say, he had a death. And then, so th- this death has been honored for 25 years. Like everyone's just accepted that's the death of Jonah Hex. It makes sense. It's a, it's a violent but fitting death for this character. You know, he lived a life of hunting people down and killing people, and he dies himself. So it may not be a happy ending, but it's a fitting ending for the character. Well, then comes the New 52. Oh. They had this comic series, again, called All-Star Western, which was Jonah Hex. But it was more fit into the continuity of DC Comics in the past. A good chunk of it was taking place in um, Gotham City of, like, the 1800s. And, like, one of the Arkham, the founder of Arkham Asylum is a major character in it. I don't know. I only read, like, three issues of it. It was fine. But then, in doing this research, I discovered that there is an issue that retcons that death. Oh, no. So, it's like, you know, Hex doing his thing. Tallulah Black is in that series quite a bit, the all-star western one. And Tula, Tula discovers Hex. Uh, they find a dude that has similar in- facial injuries to Jonah Hex, who's pretending to be him. Like he's using his own deformity to pretend that he's Jonah Hex and going out and shooting his bounties or whatever. Um, and so the real Hex essentially like switches places with him. So this guy dies in Jonah Hex's place, and he's the one who gets stuffed. 
And Jonah Hex changes his name to George Barrow, who's the dude that killed him in the original continuity. Yeah. So he changes his name uh, so that now he's the killer, and he kills the imposter Hex. And when the body's stolen, then uh, Jonah and Tallulah ride off into the sunset. That's how that series ends. I, um, I have a bias towards the new 52 anyway, and yeah. it's usually not favorable, so I think you should comment on that first. <laughs> Same thing. I, I discovered this, like, just a couple hours ago in doing research, and immediately texted my friend Bear, and was like, can you fucking believe this? <laughs> and his response back to me was initially just all caps, What? <laughs> Did he know about this? No. I, I talked through all that with him, and I said, I'm fucking livid upon discovering this. <laughs> so talk about missing the fucking point. <laughs> God. And, like, the thing is, like, I understand that the ending of that comic of, like, Hex and Tallulah riding off into the sunset, I understand that as being, like, a powerful image to end that series on. But you could still do that and not undo his death in the previous comic. Well, exactly. I mean... You could just end All-Star Western with him and Tallulah riding off in the sun. And then, you know, that can happen when he's in his you know 40s or 50s or whatever. And then you could still have his death when he's 60. It's fucking dumb. It is dumb. Right? Well, it's like you call yourself the new 52 and make up a new ending for that character. Make yeah. up a new story for that character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Strange creative choices were made in the new 52. <laughs> well, it's just so obviously pandering to a happy ending. And Tallulah Black wasn't a character back in that old run, so they felt like they had to like fold her into the new continuity and force her into this ending that they had set for him. But like, you don't need to do that. You don't no. need to carry it all. Just have it fucking end, and then you get, you, like those continuities don't have to line up perfectly. And it's the idea, too, I think, that the ex the idea that I think sometimes creators think that what fans want is to, well, obviously, these two characters, they have a past, and not just a past, they have a romantic past. Yeah. Surely, they need to end up getting together. And it's like, no, that doesn't always enhance yeah. the relationship. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, I'm, and it's fine. They can be together at the end of the series, but that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean that his death needs to be wiped away. Right, right. You can have them be together and have, you know, be in love or whatever. And then sometime in the interim between when they ride, ride off into the sunset and when he dies, either she leaves or dies as well. Like, I don't know. People die. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah. it's just, that's such a weird narrative conceit. And I see this a lot with modern DC. I blame Jeff Johns for this. But <laughs> they don't allow characters to die for real. And, I mean, that's fine. That's a comic book trope forever. But for a while there, DC was better about that. They'd allow their characters to die and then let a legacy character pick up the slack. Mm -hmm. Like when Flash died in Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, Barry Allen, he died and then Wally West took over the mantle of the Flash. He was the Flash for like 15 years, maybe even longer, I don't know. And then Jeff Johns came along and wrote Flash Rebirth where Barry Allen comes back and now Wally is Kid Flash again. Like, while he's in his, like, 30s, and he has to be Kid Flash again now? Are you fucking kidding me? He did the same thing with Green Lantern. They killed off Green Lantern in, um, what was that called? Emerald Twilight? I don't remember. 
uh, where he goes crazy. Uh, it was Hal Jordan goes crazy after Mongol destroys his hometown and he kills a bunch of the Green Lanterns and takes their rings and tries to rebuild his, his hometown because he's, he's like mad with grief. And uh, he ends up becoming the supervillain in Parallax and he ends up sacrificing himself to restart the sun because of a whole other story. But he, get, he has like a very noble death. Like he, he, he turned bad and he sacrificed himself to literally save the entire solar system. It's like, okay, that's, that's a fitting death. And then Jeff Johns came along and wrote Green Lantern Rebirth, Rebirth and claimed that Hal wasn't really dead or something. And uh, there, like, there's so many Green Lanterns. You don't need another one whose story already ended. Right. They, right. Fucking Jeff Johns is so obsessed with status quo, he wouldn't even let Hal Jordan have gray hair. In the comics in the 90s, they gave Hal like yeah, gray just, streaks in his yeah. hair. Jeff Johns wrote that retconned that by saying that was the parallax entity infecting his body by giving him that gray hair Mm. so then when they purged the parallax from him and he became good again the gray went away (laughs) (laughs) fucking god that's so stupid it is better than any box job (laughs) and i mean that's all pre-new 52 shit too that's just jeff johns really like he loves the shit from when he was a kid so he doesn't want it to change and now he's the one who's in charge. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's, he's had some good decisions, and, and he's written some good stuff. But it, it's just that, that obsession with, with not letting characters move forward or die. I think that's been a huge negative on DC Comics, and really comics as a whole. Yes, yeah. And I think it's perfectly encapsulated with this Jonah Hex ending of, of wiping away his death so that he can ride off into the sunset. And, ah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just... For for fans who already love Jonah Hex and they're like, well, that was the death, that was his end, that's totally unsatisfying because you're like, well, that's just stupid, yeah. all those machinations to bring him back to life. And I don't see how new fans who are coming into it would care. Yeah, exactly. It's just wanting that image, wanting that classic image of the hero riding away in the sunset. Well, you know, as a fan, I want a lot of stuff for characters that I love. Um, but one of the reasons I love them so much is because it doesn't always go how I think it should. Yeah, exactly. For sure. And, and as a fan, like you shouldn't, shouldn't necessarily always get your way. (laughs) I think that's, that's actually, I mean, that's a whole other fucking episode of the issues with fandom these days and demanding like, like the, I'm not going to talk about the last Jedi. (laughs) And the fans' response to that. Oh, but you can. Ah, I don't. That, ah, that is not, not that movie. I mean, I fucking love that movie. The fans' response to that movie is what made me stop calling myself a fan of anything. Mm-hmm. I refuse to call myself a fan of anything anymore because of the fandom's reaction to that movie. It's, uh, I mean, it, it was fucking sickening to me. <laughs> and that, that was just a perfect encapsulation of everything that fandom has become over the last however many years. And realistically, this isn't a new problem. I mean, fans were like this. Fans were just as gatekeepy and toxic 25 years ago. It was just harder to hear them, <laughs> you know? Right. They did not have the internet. Yeah, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have Twitter where they can directly tell creators and, you know, like spam them with images about how much they hate or not images. Spam them with messages about how much they hate them and their work or whatever. And 
how they need to be killed or have their stories rewritten or whatever. And it's just, fuck, I fucking hate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't like it 25 years ago when I heard it from two people, and I can't stand it now that I hear it from thousands. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and as a result, I think all of that is perfectly embodied, and the fallout from that is the last Star Wars movie that oh, we yeah. got. <laughs> which, honestly, I saw it twice, and I can't remember the name. Oh, Rise of Skywalker. Yes, thank you. Which doesn't make any sense. Like, this is a title that doesn't mean anything in terms of the story. <laughs> Except, well, and again, it's that idea that, oh, like, Luke can't be gone. Yeah. So Rey feels so close to that family that she names herself Skywalker. It's like, oh, oh. It's like, I just hear, like, my cat coughing up a hairball <laughs> in my head. <laughs> anyway, pardon, pardon us. We went down a bit of a rabbit hole there. But, I, but at the same time, I mean, I, I guess this kind of makes sense in terms of the reason that Hex's death was retconned is the same reason that Rise of Skywalker exists, you know? Right. <laughs> same reason that Hal Jordan isn't dead anymore. Same reason that The Flash is Barry Allen again. Oh, yeah, but then Wally West got written out of... <laughs> turned it off. I swear I turned it off. I don't think you did. I don't think I did. <laughs> Please, continue, though. <laughs> I interrupt. But it's so like Wally West was then written out of the New 52, when, when New 52 was in- introduced, they wrote out Wally West because Barry Allen was younger now and blah, blah, blah. And then they created a new Wally West who's black and that's the kind of the version that's on the Flash TV series. And it, it makes... <laughs> it's a, I, do, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to figure it out. Please, please continue. It, it does make sense. <laughs> anyway, so they made a new Wally West like on the TV show. Uh, but then that wasn't even good enough, so they brought back the original Wally West. The like, <laughs> they then brought back the original Wally West with the new Wally West. So there's two Wally Wests now. There's the original '80s redhead Wally West who was the Flash, and there's the like new young, new Fifty Two Wally West, both inhabiting the same universe. It's because. They thought that the older fans wouldn't want to let it go. I don't know. I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> I just know that I like there's been some baffling creative decisions over DC in the last however long, and I'm I don't know, done with it. <laughs> Give it over. <laughs> Give it up. Uh yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, that we can do a whole entire episode too on the new fifty-two. No! <laughs> <laughs> New 52 is not Vertigo. I don't want to fucking talk about that. Any- I only want to talk about the New 52 when it somehow encroaches on these stories like this. And even then, I don't. I don't. I don't want to think about Jonah Hex having a retconned ending. Like, why would we do that to ourselves for an hour? <laughs> no, that's fair. Well, but well, what we do have here though with Two Gun Mojo is definitely worth reading. It's a Vertigo for me. Yeah, I think it's a Vertigo. The first time I read it, I didn't really like it that much. I think I was in high school and I didn't I like I, I didn't like the fact that Jonah was often on the back foot. Like you know, like I didn't like the fact that he wasn't the one who was like leading the charge and gunning everyone down. Mm-hmm. Like he was he was often either captured or hurt or you know, dragging through the, the mud or whatever. And at the time I'm just like, no, I just I want the badass hero to come in and kill everyone and save the day. Looking at it now, though, I appreciate that that hero who's getting his ass kicked constantly 
way more than I did when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and like you mentioned before, it's it just reminds you of his humanity and, and the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, he's just a guy. Mm-hmm. And he goes up against some pretty insurmountable odds. Like the way he escapes from the pickle barrel. Yeah. Like he's just trying to bust his way out, but he accidentally busts his way out, rolls down a hill, falls <laughs> off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the poor guy doesn't have a lot of luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's great. It's like that Indiana Jones thing. You know how Indiana Jones is always getting his ass kicked, but he keeps coming back. Right. And it's like the, like, you see a lot today, especially in movies, of, like, heroes who don't get knocked down or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, the whole thing with, uh, I don't know if we talked about this. I don't think so. Like, Fast and the Furious have you heard about that? Like the, the the contracts they have about punches. Contract punches. Yeah. Yes. Like they can you can only have uh, any time a hero gets hit, he has to hit the other guy harder or whatever. And like The Rock and Vin Diesel have certain amounts of times they can be hit in their contract. Versus, Statham too. Apparently. Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. Like it's just like this tough guy posturing that they can't look like they're weak. Yeah, like there, there's, I can't remember which one it was, but there was only so long he could be on the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you compare that to something like John Wick, where Keanu Reeves is getting his ass kicked constantly for three movies. <laughs> and he's just getting beat to shit and cut up, but, and he's always fighting back from that, which is way more interesting. It is. And one of my favorite, going into the fucking John Wick, one of my favorite stories about that movie, specifically John Wick 3 is there's a scene at the end of that where he's fighting these two martial artists. And there are two guys from the Raid series. I don't, oh. I don't know if you've ever seen those. The, I haven't. The I Raid, Raid about. Redemption. Yeah. Uh, so he's fighting these two guys. And in the script, they have a big fight. Like, it's this knockdown, drag-out fight in this glass room. And John kills them. And, you know, saves a day or wins or whatever, and then moves on to the next guy. But while they were rehearsing, Keanu Reeves was so fucking impressed with these guys and their their fighting styles and their abilities and all that. And he said, like, there's no way I'm killing these guys. Like, I can't, I can't kill them, <laughs> literally. And it would be ridiculous to have me kill them. So in, in the end of that fight, he knocks them down, and they just kind of lay their dazed, and he says, see you around, and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, Keanu Reeves is the exact opposite of that macho bullshit. Like, I have to be the best. Again, like, in, in his world, like, the these people are just as worthy to be in this being uh, badasses in this fight as I am, so let them have their badass moment and let them live. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And it does make the story just more compelling. Like, the stakes are higher. Mm-hmm. You care more. I mean, it's much more interesting to watch, going back to Indiana Jones, like Harrison Ford jump on a moving tank and then spend a good 15 minutes trying to get up on top of it yeah. You know, than it is to watch Vin Diesel and The Rock just swing back and forth at each other. Yeah. It's like the old adage, you know, it's not about how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get back up. There you go. And it's way more interesting to see a hero get knocked down and then get back up than never get knocked down. <laughs> right, right. And, oh, we could uh, lead into that in terms of, uh, if you had to pick some influences on this book, like in your mind, that just come come immediately to you, what would you say? Um, like books I, or movies? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. Movies. I, I, don't, I, mean, I mean, there's 
anytime you get like a modern revisionist western, there's going to be some Sergio Leone in there. Mm-hmm. Man with no name, you know, like the Fistful of Dollars and all that shit. I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, there's obviously going to be some of that in there and just spaghetti westerns in general. Oh, uh, there's a lot of, um, oh, what's that movie? Django. Uh, Django Unchained, the original Django with Franco Nero. I haven't seen it. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. There's a very, it's just a very similar vibe. That movie's not necessarily weird West, like there's no zombies or anything in it, but just a very muddy, dirty Western movie where the hero in the end gets his hands completely destroyed and he has to like have a shootout without able to use his hands. (laughs) So he like takes the trigger guard off of his gun and props it up on a gravestone and then just like hits it when the when the bad guys come in. <laughs> well, that actually sounds exciting. You know? Yeah, exactly. And again, it's the hero getting completely beaten to shit and then fighting back from that. Take note, modern day screenwriters. <laughs> How about you? What influences do you see in there? Oh, definitely, uh, definitely Clint Eastwood, Sergio Leone, like you said. But um, do you remember that movie that actually has Pat Hingle in it? Uh, Hang 'em High. Yes. Yes. Like the opening of that. Yeah, when he gets hanged. Yeah, that's right. And then I actually, I saw that movie with my Uncle Rick. I'll never forget that. (laughs) (laughs) He introduced you to it, huh? Yeah, exactly. I think that was the first, I think it was the first Eastwood Western I ever saw, actually. Oh, good one. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, I also, just kind of the weirdness of it, reminds me a little bit of The Quick and the Dead. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? Yes. That's a fucking huge kid. Yeah, Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman. Leonardo DiCaprio, Russell Crowe, Pat Hingle. Pat Hingle was in that <laughs> yes, too? Yes. Who was the bartender? Oh. Um, nice. Directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah, yeah. Um, also featuring Keith David. Or is it David Keith? Yeah, it's Keith David. Keith David. <laughs> and uh, oh, there's somebody else in it. I can't. Oh, uh, Lance Henriksen. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Huge fucking cast. Who did Lance Henriksen play? One of the gunfighters. Okay. Yeah, Quick and the Dead is the story about this little town that has, like, a gunfighting competition every year, like a duel. And the owner, mayor, sheriff, I don't know, whatever, the, the leader of the town is this, uh, played by Gene Hackman, and he killed Sharon Stone's father, I think? Yes. When she was a kid? Played by Gary Sinise? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Fuck, he's in it too. So anyway, Sharon Stone spends her whole life, uh, like, swearing revenge and turning herself into this gunfighter just so she can go back to the town and kill him. And it's a really, really cool movie. It, but it is kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's got a very odd, almost weird West comical tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, Sam Raimi, have you ever heard of the classic? I think I... His I've... car? Uh-uh. So there's this beige, I think it's a Delta 88. <laughs> Uh, it's a car that he puts in all of his movies. It's in all the Spider-Man movies. It originated in the Evil Dead. It's in all three Evil Dead movies. It travels back in time with Ash in Army of Darkness. Oh. <laughs> uh, and it's in Quick and the Dead. No. <laughs> they dismantled it and put it on a wagon. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, now I do have to go back and watch that. I'll look for the car this time. Yeah, yeah, I see Quick and the Dead in there. That yeah. makes sense. I'm going to watch Quick and the Dead now. <laughs> <laughs> Good movie. Anyway, I, I mean, I'm not very well versed in Western comics other than Hex and probably Blueberry. But, um, other, I'm, I'm, I, so I don't know. I don't know a whole lot of comic influences on this, but I definitely see a lot of just classic Western tropey movies in here. Well, I see, um, 
I see how this was an influence on comics that came after. I wish I could remember the name of the writers and the artists right now, but uh, Pretty Deadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the main character in that, Jenny, had like half of her face is messed up. Like, really? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Is her name Jenny Hex? <laughs> That's <laughs> fucking ridiculous. <laughs> her name is just Jenny, and she's the daughter of death. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I guess it's a little bit more different than just having a scarred up protagonist. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I can't think of off the top of my head. I'm sure there. I sure. I'm sure they exist out there. Um, I can't think of very many Western comics. I mean, it's just not. It's not as popular in this medium. True. But I mean, yeah. There. I mean, again, we talked about it a bit last week. Blueberry, just a huge French Western. I don't know what it is about. French culture and westerns, but they fucking love them. Really? <laughs> yeah. All about that life. And again, Blueberry is a profoundly popular comic over there, hmm. and over here, nobody knows about it. The only reason I knew about it was because of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wonder, could you? Well, you, you would probably we'd probably have to buy it on Amazon. I don't know if you could find it in the store here. What, Renegade. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, you can't find it at any of these stores. You could find it at some place like Entertain Mart. Which there's one of <laughs> this side of the Mason Dixon. <laughs> and if you see it, you probably have to fight someone for it to the death. <laughs> we don't live in the time of Hastings anymore where you can go to a used movie shop and find something. You have to result to online. Makes me feel sorry for the kids nowadays. Yeah. Uh, believe me, I mean my I've got a eight year old daughter who in the last couple of years has seen the demise of Hastings. But she loved to go into and look at toys and movies and all that. And then a year later, the demise of Toys R Us. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, it sucks to not have... Oh, and then just this year, the closing of White Elephant. That's right. (laughs) The local toy store. Ugh. Yeah. End of an era. Yeah. It was around for 74 years. Really? That long? And the only reason it closed is because the family just didn't want to deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. The, the original owner died when he was in his, like, 90s. Whoa. So then his family took over, and they've been running it for the last few years. And they spent, they closed for a couple weeks due to COVID, and basically just took that time to, like, go over the books and be like, do we even want to do this anymore? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just decided they didn't want to keep it open. So it's not like it went out of business. They just decided to close it. Well, I can understand. I mean, because I imagine you... It's hard enough, like especially nowadays, being an independent toy store that tries to compete with, you know, Amazon and you know Toys R Us and just all the online shopping that people do now. But yeah, it is. It is. Well, but that's a different beast. They they were doing fine. I mean, they're not just a toy store. They're also sporting goods and fishing and all that. And every single time I've been in there, it's been packed <laughs> because, like, you know, it's a it's like a local hotspot. People love going there. So I, I don't necessarily think that Amazon or online sales had anything to do with it. I think it's kind of a false equivalency. But I also, I think that people think that. Like, people think, like, well, you know, online shopping is killing everything. Like, But I don't think a lot of people really like doing most of their shopping online. No. Like, I do know some recluses who love it exclusively. But overall, I think I, I like getting out of the house to buy something. Me too. And I feel like that's a fairly common sentiment, but I don't know. Whatever. Why are we fucking talking about this now? (laughs) (laughs) Many tangents. (laughs) But I feel like they all lead back. (laughs) It's all because Jonah Hex uh, founded Amazon. Did you know that? (laughs) Jonah Jonah Hex, before he got stuffed, he uh, founded Amazon. And then when he came back to life in the new 52 retcon, 
He's just living on those residuals, him and Salula. <laughs> Starting a little shack in the in the Mojave Desert, just sending out boxes filled with bullets. I don't know. <laughs> and not paying taxes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then Jonah Hex changed his name to Bezos. And <laughs> three generations later. There's a retcon for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what are we going to do next? Oh, yeah. Next, we're going to watch Lost Boys. The Lost Boys, excuse me. (laughs) That makes me happy. So next, we're going to watch that because there's a Vertigo sequel comic um, that I finally got my hands on. So we'll watch that and then read it after that. And that will take us through the end of October. Going by so fast already. Which is funny, I was thinking to myself, like, we should do an episode about creepy Vertigo comics that we you could read during Halloween. But I was looking at it like, that's fucking every Vertigo comic. <laughs> like, it's literally... They're all, they're all, you know, scary or horror or murder mystery or some dark, ironic twist. <laughs> and so I was like, well, fuck. I, it'll just be, a, you know, three hours of just reading through the encyclopedia. <laughs> would be a long one yeah or you could read gifts of the night or you could read angel and ape or you could read flinch (laughs) (laughs) just just get the encyclopedia (laughs) yeah exactly well that that would be fun though to do something similar but i am excited to read the lost boys comic because i have no idea and there's been a few different comics but we'll go into it but there's only been one vertigo one written by tim seeley and yeah we'll dig into it and then after that so then after that, we'll be in November, and I was thinking we should start off November by uh, reading Sandman Mystery Theater, the first volume. Perfect. And then obviously not the whole series, because it's like 80 issues, but uh, <laughs> read that first one, and we could, I don't know, I guess we could talk about the series as a whole, because if you've read one volume of that, you kind of know the beats to all the volumes of that. They're pretty <laughs> standard, but not to say bad, like it's not a bad thing, they're just very similar. So anyway, we'll talk about that. So, okay, end of the show time. Thanks for hanging out. Keep reading. Give us a like. Yeah, like, subscribe. Fucking listen. <laughs> I always fall down on this part because I don't have I don't have a f- format yet. Fucking listen, please. Yeah. <laughs> Follow on Twitter at Vertigo Voices. Uh, you can email vertigovoices at gmail.com. Um, do we have, wait, special thanks? Do we have special thanks yet? No, we don't. Because we don't have anyone that's done anything for us. So. <laughs> Not yet. But. Special thanks to me for making that amazing theme song. Absolutely. Well done. <laughs> you put my harpsichord to shame, sir. <laughs> and, oh, we do have an Instagram now. Vertigo Voices. Oh, cool. Please follow us. What is it? Vertigo Voices. Just that and Vertigo Voices, oh, okay. yeah. I don't know how Instagram works. So, <laughs> just when I figure out one social media platform, they spring another one on us. Like I'm like TikTok still baffles me. I'm going to show my age on that. Is that one. even social media? I thought that was like, uh, I thought it was like Snapchat or something. I thought it was like an app. I, I thought it was social media, but then again, like you know, I'm I'm definitely dating myself here. Why can't we just go back to MySpace? <laughs> oh, the days. What's so wrong with MySpace? 
Oh, I discovered mine the other day, and I was like, how do I delete you? But, no. You could have a song on your profile page. <laughs> I remember for a long time I had MC Chris's cover of Dare to be Stupid. Did you really? By Weird Al. Yeah. That was like my song on my profile for a while. I had, it, oh, I had Wanderlust King by Gogol Bordello on there for a while. <laughs> Does your digital footprint still exist? I have no idea. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we'll find you. I haven't. Day. I haven't been back to MySpace in fucking ten years, probably longer. <laughs> so who knows? Is this still around? Like, is it still a platform that's used for anything? I don't know, but like five or six years ago, I feel like I stumbled across my profile, and I couldn't remember my password. I couldn't get into it, <laughs> but I feel like oh, there it is. So I'm I'm not sure if it's still out there in the ether somewhere or what have you. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> Jesus, it's been so rambly. I have to cut so much out of this episode. Tangents, tangents. We're at an hour 12 right now. It's probably going to, when it's released, it's probably going to be 45 minutes. <laughs> Christ. We give you more for your money, folks. Not that you spend anything to get here, but <laughs> we aim to please. Maybe I should set up a P.O. box so you can just send checks. <laughs> please and thank you. You can't download the show unless you send us a check for... Yep, that sounds fair to me. Well, Christmas is coming. (laughs) It is. Remember your remember your favorite podcasts at this most charitable time of year. (laughs) Anyway. Alright, we're done. We'll just fucking cut it. um, Keep reading. That's what we say, right? Keep reading. Keep reading. Keep reading. Keep listening. Or whatever.